slow down, flip us over, and celebrate. The Turn Turtles are here. Hello once again. We are back. This is the Turn Turtles, a board gaming podcast, and we are here once again to talk about board games. And And, and you, that's right. Uh, it is unfortunately once again the Matt and Adam show here, and we are short the Meege. Um, but we're gonna carry this show through the next forty-five minutes, if history is any example. And <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> uh, this week we'll see. Yeah, this week we're talking about a game called Sheepy Time. Aww. Designed by Neil Kimball, and we're going to be having some small discussions about that in a little bit. But in the meantime, how has it been going, Matt? Not too bad. Life is busy, but we're finally healthier. I think mm-hmm. everybody in the world was sick for the last month or so, and now we're finally out the other side, and hopefully our immune systems have learned a thing or two. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I'm now 37. So, Happy uh, birthday. Ripe old age. Yeah, it feels the same. Yep. I think after, after like 25, when you can finally rent a car, everything after that is, meh, it doesn't really right. matter. <laughs> yeah. But we had some fun birthday activities with you uh, and my wife and another person, and we had a chance to play some board games there. Yeah, you can say his name. It was Alex. Alex. I don't know why I didn't say his name. They are avid fans of the podcast. He who shall not be named that we just named. (laughs) Whoops. Alex Cadavra. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we had a a fun party. We played some light games there. Did you play any other than the ones that we played together? No. I had actually brought two just in case for some reason no one did. Uh, but I I was only going to go back to my car to get them if, if I needed to. And there was oh. quite a few on the table, so I never went back to get them because my hands were full from the meatballs and other things <laughs> that I brought in. So uh, And it was sour meatballs. Yeah, and we weren't parked super close because there were so many people there. Mm-hmm. But I had brought uh, Bang. And Tortuga. And I brought Tortuga. That's right. Yes, I How'd knew you know? it. Was gonna be, it was, of all the games that you have, probably the one that fit the bill the best. Yeah. Both the of those are like eight players or nine. Yeah. So, so. The, the bill was party games that were really easy to teach. And I think party games, for the most part, are supposed to be easy to teach and easy to just get going. Yeah. And Tortuga sounded like one of the ones that you own that fit that bill. Have you played that one yet? No, I haven't, which is no? why I'm a little disappointed you didn't take the time to go back to your car and make me play it. Yeah, it might have been slightly too not easy for what we were doing. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. I've never I've only I've never played it with like like 8 or 9 and I really want to because I think that's probably the most fun. Well, but let's play it at the end of March then. Yeah, like the con, you mean? Mark con? No, no, no. At the end of March for your birthday. 
Oh, the best part marks. about no, the best like we're part just about abbreviating to marks now. <laughs> the best part about birthdays is forcing people to play the games that you want to play. <laughs> I think that's the best part about them. So I at that party, we played Skull and we played some more Tsuro. 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 Skull is always good. Uh, perennial favorite. Mm-hmm. Skull yeah. is not one that I hear people talking about so often. Like I don't see it mentioned in the board gamosphere. Like right. ever actually. I wonder if if you're out there, we don't get a whole lot of emails, but if you're out there and, and you know what Skull is, uh send us an email. It's been a while since I put the bat signal out for emails, but <laughs> I'd be curious to know if anyone out there is it playing Skull. Well, I think there are two games that kind of hit that same target and cockroach poker is the other one so cockroach poker is more popular i think so it's it's slightly more complicated not not much but it is they're both bluffing games so i owned both but never played cockroach poker because skull was so easy to break out and and play that instead and i liked it better but i think Shut Up and Sit Down did a a video with, or maybe it was in the podcast, and they talked about Skull. So that's how I knew about it. Oh, okay. So you're going to get flooded with emails from people that have played Skull before. I doubt it. <laughs> I am not familiar with Cockroach Poker, and I'm looking right now. Oh, yeah? I think I sold it. this looks pretty funny. The, the art on it is fantastic. It's really yeah, cool. hilarious. Huh. That's one where the player whose turn it is uh, draws a card off the top of the deck and then looks at it and passes it to another player and declares what it is. So that there's a bunch of different suits like uh, spiders, cockroaches, I don't remember, flies. So they're all kind of like gross bugs. Yeah. And that person can get it. And before they look at it, they, they can either uh, accept what it is and have a look. Or say that you're lying and look at it. If they just accept that you said what the truth was, then they look at it and then they find out if it was the truth or not. But at that point, they have to pass it to somebody else and declare what it is, whether they say the same thing as the person who passed it to them or not. And if they say, no, you're lying and flip over the card and they were indeed lying, then that card goes in front of the player who lied. But if they say, you're lying, and they flip it over, and it was the truth. So the first player says, this is a fly, and passes it. If I say, you're lying, this is not a fly, I flip it over, and it is a fly, then it goes in front of me. And then it's the first player with, I forget what it is, three or four of the same suit in front of them loses, and everybody else wins. Uh, okay. So it's kind of a bluffing game where you're passing around. You don't need to own... The, the actual game, you can probably do it with two decks of cards, I think, or or one. As I think there are six or so of each suit, so you'd have to... And there are six suits, maybe? So you'd have to do a little finagling right. with Magic Marker or something, but you could, you could do it with a regular deck of cards. It's not as pretty. Sounds interesting. It's kind of like Skull in Reverse in a weird way. Yeah, a little bit. Giving yeah. giving people like 
like like a curse mechanic almost. Yeah, I I prefer a skull a lot more. I don't know why. It, it's less about reading people, maybe. Like cockroach poker is all about reading people. So right. if you pass the card and you say this is a cockroach, or someone else passes the card and says this is a cockroach, and you watch that third person pick it up, look at it, and then put it down and agree that it's a cockroach and slide it to you. The only thing you have to go on is the cards that you see in front of you or in front of the other players that are already revealed and how they looked when they looked at the card. Right. If your friends aren't good at bluffing at all, then like the game yeah. should be easy. <laughs> right. Or if you're bad at reading people, then the game won't be fun for you. Right. Whereas Skull, it's a little bit about pattern as well. So like in the game yeah. that we played on Saturday, Angela put her skull down every time it seemed. Yeah. <laughs> you never picked Angela because it was skull down. And when somebody did pick Angela, like you didn't even have to like, why would you pick her tile to flip to flip over? Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a skull. And then the one time it wasn't. So like, it's not only about reading people, but it's also about like, I don't know, a little bit about patterns and timing and that kind of thing, too. Yeah, I think it was the third time that it was her skull. I was like, there's no way it's three times in a row. <laughs> <laughs> and then I picked her and I got wrecked and got the, like down to one card or something. Or, or Oh, man. I'm not sure what you call those. Not cards. They're like I, I always call them coasters. Yeah, they're tie. like coasters. Yeah. But it was after my unfortunate third skull where everyone was like, all right, she's just off limits, I think. Anyway. <laughs> it was very funny uh, yeah what's really nice about that game it was $15 for the game brand new and by now my tiles or coasters are showing their wear a little bit like not so bad that you know what some if somebody played their skull or one of their flowers but at a certain point I'll just have to buy a brand new set and this set will become actual coasters, and I'll right. probably just use it on tables because why not? It's either that or just recycle it. So that, I see it going now for twenty-five to forty. Oh yeah! Oh yeah. gross! I think I got it. Maybe it was on sale, but I got it at four hundred one games a few years ago. Yeah, and Angela had my Scottish coasters, which I didn't appreciate either. <laughs> that is one of the coolest ones. So I think they're yeah. kind of themed a little bit around different cultures. So like the Scottish ones have three thistles and then a really cool looking bearded Norse, Norse thing. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's definitely like a Mexican one where it's like, I don't know, I guess you have Google it and have a look at the, the different art. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it is really cool. It's a very simple game with a lot of depth. It's a neat one. We yeah, haven't explained absolutely. it too carefully, but you can go do that, listener. I, I think we may have in Probably. previous episodes. Yeah. So start with episode one and then <laughs> <go back laughs> listen to them all. If you're lucky, we put it in the show notes, but don't count on it. I don't do the show notes, so. Yeah. It's all up to you, Adam. Save our show. <laughs> <laughs> I see you played some Hansa Teutonica. Yes, we did. I forget what day that was. It was a Monday, I think. We, for the first time, tried... I put East-West map here, but that's not right. It was just the East map. 
So it is more about Germany, I think, because like Berlin is there. But it's kind of funny because Berlin is like a, a dead end, really small city. And I won't get into it because I, I don't want I didn't want to or have the time to explain all the different changes. But the East to West map had a few cool changes from or the East map from the regular map. Mm hmm. And those included three big cities that you couldn't just uh, establish a trade route in. You had to do a couple of, uh, you had to establish a trade route somewhere else, and then you got to put it there, which is neat. Right. There were a couple bonus, you know those bonus tiles that look like dinner plates on one side you can earn? Yes. There were a couple permanent ones on the board. So the prestige colors that you can upgrade on your player board one of the permanent ones was if you completed a the route on one of the routes you could do that prestige thing without doing it at the city that you had to do it at so there were two spots where you could upgrade that which was really neat uh, okay um i think one of the other things was some of the routes demanded that you put a merchant on so the disc as opposed to either being a disc or a trader one of the cubes whereas most of or all of the other trade routes you could put a cube or a disc on any one of them it didn't really matter mm -hmm. so if you wanted to do these trade routes with two sailboats that required a merchant you needed to upgrade your sophie lieber in order to do that which is neat so just a, a little a couple little twists on the regular board that Make it even more playable or replayable if you have the Hansa Teutonica big box. Right. Which I now wholeheartedly endorse having played one of the three map or two of the three maps that come with it. I mean, it's so worth it. It doesn't sound like any of those are so powerful or strong that the like sometimes the the, the random laydowns of things can really like Something to make it more fun, but it can really in unbalance the game or really favor somebody. But I think the things that you were describing weren't weren't so powerful. I think if I'm remembering it properly. Yeah, I I agree, and I mean the fact that you can bump people if they start to do the trade route there, right. but you want to do it, you can bump them. I mean, players are going to be the main balancing factor in 90% yep. of board games, right? Like if if the board game isn't really balanced, and maybe we can talk about this as a whole other episode, they the designer can throw an auction in there and that will make the players balance the game themselves. Or maybe Root is not all that balanced, but if you attack the leader, then you're balancing it with the players. And there's a, yeah. a big... There's a big argument out there about whether that's lazy design because I didn't really want to balance the game, so I just make the players do it each game or yeah. or if that's intentional and I designed it really well using that mechanism. So Yeah, I think it probably could be an episode. And I was actually just talking about this with somebody about uh Munchkin. Uh a game Ooh. that I think we all played a lot in much earlier in our board game years but i was trying to explain why i kind of got off munchkin and i think that's a game where 
the the reliance on players like breaks it to some extent because uh, it's this game where you're like dungeon crawling and people can play monsters on you and there's nothing prohibiting anyone from or everyone from just systematically one by one making it totally unfair and not doable for one person and right. it's like for it to even be any kind of fun experience everyone just kind of has to hold back on certain times and kind of agree to play sort of not the best and like i think that's kind of where the lines are like if you if you can still play your best and do what you want to do then you know that reliance on people can still be a good thing but yeah some games make you have to hold back and not do what you want to do yeah absolutely and a game like munchkin it seems like the first player to almost win will never ever win because of that pylon. Yeah. And the, the second player to almost win might get the win, but might not. And then it's usually the third player because everybody's played all their hard cards on the, the first two players. Yeah. So it like I guess this could be a question in, in the next episode if we want to do that, but is that the way the game is played? Like, is that how they designed it? Should you be going into that game knowing that and then playing towards that? You know what I yeah. mean? Towards that point? Or is it just a bad game? Yeah. And that game makes me sad because, like, a lot of that, like, if you're just looking at, like, the content within the game, a lot of it is super well done and super interesting. And it's it's so ripe for someone to come along and homebrew some kind of other game out of it like i feel like it's possible to to make something more akin to like like a a little more like a real D or like a, the knights of pen and paper app game or some kind of other oh, dungeon yeah. crawly game that's not terrible using the content that's there because all they are with are monsters and stuff with numbers around them right and uh if you can find a way to deal with that better i feel like that could be fun it's something mm-hmm. I've thought about before. The art is always enjoyable, and the humor in it is yeah is great. It's very funny. So, I don't think you had too much else. It was kind of a quieter week for both of us. Yeah, I had one other game in there other than Cheapy Time. And that was a game called Starving Artists that Jane brought. And that it's a a lighter well lighter is kind of a funny word here. It's definitely thinky, but it it's short ish. Like we we played Sheepy Time twice and then played Starving Artists mm-hmm. from about seven thirty or well I think it was around eight till eleven ish eleven fifteen. So in Starving Artists. Each player is an artist and has a a little player card in front of them. And it's got a a counter system from five, which means you're full and you're well fed down to (laughs) one, meaning you're, you're almost starving. And if your, your token ever goes off the bottom, you've died because you're starved to death. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But the whole game revolves around drawing. You can work, which is drawing cubes from a bag, and the cubes are all different colors. And then in the middle of the table, there's three works of art, which I think they're legitimate legitimate works of art. But with, I don't know, 
anywhere from five to 11 or 12 spaces for a color cube, whether that's like this cube has to be blue. So you would buy the, the art for one, two or three, depending on where in the conveyor belt of art it was and mm. put that in front of you. You can always trade a certain number of cubes to the middle, to the marketplace for a certain number of cubes, but it's always a bad trade. So like two for one or five for two, something like that. Mm-hmm. But throughout the game, you're trying to paint, like you'll take an action to place a certain up to four cubes in the spots on the artwork and you can have up to three or four artworks around you. So then it's a matter of completing your artwork and then deciding when you want to sell it because at the end of each round, anybody that has completed artwork can decide to sell it. Now, if multiple people sell it, you have to go by each painting will give you a certain amount of food, a certain amount of uh, cubes that you can earn back for selling it, and a certain amount of victory points. Now, depending on... I forget which one it is. Maybe each each artist card has a certain power depending on whether it's like how many cubes you need to fill it, how much it gives you in points. or So I think that zero, one, two, or 3, and whoever has the most power will be able to get four cubes for the marketplace and then the next power will get two and then the next one will get two and the next one will get one Mm -hmm. and then you go back to the first player and they'll get four again up to however however many cubes it says you can earn on the card well there's never that many cubes in the marketplace if you die does your artwork go up exponentially i believe you're out of the game (laughs) <laughs> I don't think no. Yeah, it, like, it really should. <laughs> it, your artwork should stay in the game and it gets way more expensive the oh, that second you're funny. dead. If yeah. you die, all the artwork you finish doubles in value. Yeah. That would be hilarious. That'd be really funny. Yeah, so every round your counter goes down one on your food, which I I think is the the funniest thing. In a really sad state of affairs you could starve to death <laughs> if you don't paint enough paintings right but that was that was fun it was a lot more thinky than i thought so we went from sheepy time which is haha thinky to starving yeah. artist which was depressing <laughs> thinky <laughs> <laughs> so it, it was also funny in its own right but yeah. i don't i don't know who designed it maybe i could have looked that up On the fly. On the fly, look up. Fairway game. Fairway 3 games. And Deep Water Games produced it by, oh no, Mike Wakash. Nailed it. And the artist Sounds is like Vaughn a lot of Wendland. Consonants. Only, <laughs> only one artist for a game called Starving Artists that I'm pretty sure uses real art from the real world well that's why they don't need a lot of artists oh yeah like the birth of venus by sanjo botticelli he's just got to do cropping and resizing (laughs) oh super easy yeah oh yeah there's definitely art like la debacle by theodore robinson 1892 yeah it was enjoyable although i'm not sure like if you're when I remember one time discussing with someone who was really into music about church music and if you go from 
not now I know very little about church music, but something with like a a very uplifting feeling. Is that like a, a major key? I don't know. Yeah. But if you go from that to something with like a minor key that's kind of like more somber, then the whole congregation or whoever's singing, it kind of trips them up at, at first, going from the one to the other. And that's kind of how I felt going from Sheepy Time to this game. Oh, okay. Like the theme is so... It's just like very calm and a little... I don't know, a little depressing. I don't know if it was calm, but it's like, it's not downbeat. Like, I found it kind of not stressful, but like, the, like there's a push your luck aspect, which is what we'll get into in a minute. But like. Oh, I'm talking the, about Starving Artists. Is calm. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. You're going from Sheepy Time to Starving Artists, and it was very. There's a word for it. Email me. What, what's the word when the two things don't mesh well? I don't remember. Cognitive dissonance? Maybe, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Email us and tell Adam he said the word wrong. Emails. All right, well, now that I've talked a lot. I'm just noticing we have an email from somebody at the end here. Oh, yeah? <laughs> Did funny. you put that in there? Oh, oh, I put it in there. I thought you meant like actual email because I never really... No, I was. it didn't come through the email, which is why I didn't know this was a thing, so... Oh, yeah. He messaged me. Uh, okay. All right. Well, we'll get to that. Not next. Uh, because no. what is next is our topic of the week. Topic of the week. And as we oh, said this week, we're talking yeah, about Sheepy Time, which is a game from last year, it looks like. Designed by Neil Kimball, which I think I said already. Produced by Alderac, not Alderon, because they're blown up. Alderac Entertainment <laughs> Group, or AEG. Um, and I think as usual, for, at least lately, Matt's going to give us the Coles notes here. The rundown. As usual. I do. So I walked into my local board game shop, Phoenix Rising. Love the guys there. And noticed that it was like a Black Friday sale of the weekend. Mm-hmm. And Sheepy Time, I had heard about on the Board Game Barrage Discord. Shout out to... Oh man, I forget his name. This is awkward. Mike. Captain Jack. It was Captain Jack. Jack. Mike Jack. No, not Mike Jack. Just Captain. <laughs> just Captain? C A N. All right. Oh, Captain. Captain. Anyways, he said this was a diamond in, in the rough, and I had never seen it in the wild. And then it was on the 50% off table. So I got it for $20, which is a deal. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. So then, yeah, I bought it and brought it home and surprised everybody. All right. Are you ready? It was a surprise. Oh. From the moment I saw this sort of (laughs) childish looking storybook (laughs) box. We'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll talk about some some spoiler first impressions. (laughs) All right. let's, Let's calm down. Take it down a notch. Are you ready? There's Adam? a fence meeple. That's my second spoiler. <laughs> I'm trying to calm the audience down. <laughs> fence meeple. To get in mood. You lie in your bed, wishing you could fall asleep. You've heard of counting sheep, so you give it a whirl. As the sheep jump over the dreamy white fence, you count one, 
two, three, ah, and you drift off to dreamland. I don't like this at all. I'm just going to say you that. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in sheepy time, you play as one of those sheep. Using one of the two cards in your hand, you can move around a circular board divided into spaces numbered 1 through 10. Each time you leap over the finish line fence, you gain more winks. And I think you have to wink at everybody around the table for each wink that you gain, but wink. that's not, not in the actual rules. So winks are also the victory points that you earn. And with enough winks, you could even drift off to sleep the best, becoming the winner. Sheepy time is played in rounds, usually three or four, until someone manages to overtake their pillow points with their wink points. Which is probably one of the weirdest sentences I've ever said. Yeah. <laughs> you race around the track trying to earn more and more winks, but beware, the nightmare is coming for you. And there are three you can play with, but only ever one per game. The wolf will move around the board one, two, or three spaces at a time and could frighten the space he's on and the two adjacent spaces to himself. The ghost will jump to different spaces up to three ahead or two behind himself. And the spider will make a web up to three spaces in front of him. And then on his next turn, he will move to that web. But beware, you must stop on the web each time you would cross it. Sticky! When the nightmare crosses the finish line fence, the game the game round ends, and any sheep that are still racing around the track wake up. Alternatively, if the nightmare ever moves through your space or lands on you, you become frightened, and if it happens again, you wake up. Each time it, you jump over oh, sorry. I was gonna say it's important to note that you're all going in a circle and you go in the same direction because you're not able to turn around and make a, a U-turn. Oh. oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was for you, Daryl. <laughs> Each time you jump over the fence, you may declare that you are done for this round. That's called calling it a night. And discard your cards. You then sit helplessly as those more bold than yourself cross the fence time and time again and slowly surpass your wink score. When each player has called it a night, or the nightmare crosses the fence, you tally up the scores depending on how many players there are. You move your pillow tracker from the 40 points, which is the end of the scoreboard, down toward your the zero, which is where the winks start. First, Are you first in a four-player game? You move your pillow down 10. The second place gets eight, third place gets six, fourth place gets five. Did you get too greedy and get woken up? You only get three. As if all this wasn't enough to get your heart pounding and your eyelids drowsy, each space in the game can have a certain power on it. The game starts with uh, like a power tile on spaces five and ten. But each round you will add more till the board is full of powers to use. Instead of using a card, one of the two cards in your hand for movement, you they will often have an option on them to put Z tokens. They, they're like the three Zs of sleeping. Onto one of those powers. When your sheep lands on the space that holds a power and one of your Z tokens, 
you may discard that Zed token to use that power, and they'll do things like propel you further, or increase your winks, or move other players around the board, which is hilarious. And they, I forget how many there are, but there are like 20 to 30 different powers, so that each game you're going to get a different combination of powers and yeah. on different spaces. The first player to move their wink token onto or across their pillow token triggers the end of the game. So that's kind of like the Arc Nova, where if you cross the two tokens moving the opposite ways around the score track, that will trigger the end of the game too. If your wink token is further past your pillow than any of the other wink tokens are past their pillows, you win. You're the sleepiest. And that's mostly how to play Sheepy Time. Yeah. All right. Um, now, now we can maybe start with the art. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I already mentioned that there's a fence, a little picket white fence meeple, which yeah. is which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, you have little sheep meeples. Yep, they're screen printed, which is yep. nice. Yeah, and I think all of the uh, nightmares are always the same sort of Pokemon Gengar looking like Meeple, I think. Yep. Yeah, and he's got screen printed eyes as well, which the production on this game is very well done. Yeah. I very much enjoy it. Oh, but yeah, the art's very colorful. It's very, like I said, kind of storybook kid storybook kind of looking mm-hmm. um yeah and you just kind of go around and around that circle um one of the things that i really liked about it was so i i, I mentioned while we were playing that i i really i tend to really like push your luck games um they're almost always exciting to me, and so the push the push your luck s or mechanic in this game comes when you make it all the way around the circle and you jump over the white fence. You now decide whether or not you're going to keep going, or whether you're done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because and so you're you're trying to guess or yeah figure out whether or not you can beat the monster around the circle again. Um, and then, yeah, there were some pretty funny moments where like one person made it out and then the other two got overcome and, and scared and, uh, we lost and that's always kind of a, yeah, that was very fun, funny. stressful kind of moment. Yeah. I guess it would be good to describe how the, the nightmare gets to take their turns so the deck is made up of, I don't know, somewhere between 40 and 50 cards, somewhere in there. And when you decide which uh, nightmare you're going to use, they have, like, I think around 10 cards each. So then if you pick the ghost to use, you'll take the ghost cards and shuffle them into the deck. And anytime a player draws one of the ghost cards, then you immediately play it. And the ghost does the action, whatever that is, moving forward or back or whatever. And then if you've played one of those, you draw another card until you have two in your hand. But it's possible that right. when you shuffled, you'll get like four ghost cards in a row. Or it's possible that they're all at the very bottom of the deck. So you don't know exactly when that nightmare is going to move 
or what movement it will do because they they have different yeah movements on them as well. So then yeah. trying to like when you jump over that fence for the third time and you're like, okay, I'm I'm ten winks ahead of anybody else. Do I stop now or do I like will the ghost get me? Yeah. It's a very cool decision to make. Yeah. Every time you cross that line. Yeah. And I don't think I gave it enough justice in the explanation, but being able to like you play a card and it'll say something like move three spaces. Or put a, a Z token on one of the powers that's on the board. And those powers are very, very helpful. So like the one that I remember is if you cross the finish line and land on that space, you can double the amount of winks you got from crossing the finish line. So then yeah. if you can play it right, you play the right card and get around around and land on that space again and use that token that you had you could go from five to 10 for doing it. But is it worth going that far around the board yet and not stopping? Yeah. Because you could end up with the, the extra 10 for crossing and then you're halfway around the board and the nightmare is right at the fence and will he jump over before you can make it around? Yeah. In which case, you lose all of the winks for that round. You don't get them anymore. Yeah. So you could end up with no winks and you're woken up and that means you'll only get, what did I say, like three pillow points. But if you had just stayed where you were, maybe you would have got third place, sure, but you would have had six pillow points and moved your pillow that much more forward. Yeah. So at the end of the round, you reset all your winks, but your pillows stay where they are. So your pillow will get closer to the wink spot and yeah. Yeah, and that pillow is like your finish line, which is mm -hmm. moving closer to you, and your wings is moving towards the pillow. Right. And as the board gets filled up with powers and you're putting more Zeds on them, you're getting better at earning winks while your pillow is getting closer to you. And I, I love the, I guess, the arc of the game as well. Because yeah. the first round, you know nobody's going to win. But what are you going to try to do? Are you going to try to, like, maybe get more tokens on the board or are you going to try to get as many winks as you can like what's what's your strategy but the second round it, it's almost possible to end the game and win but not very likely that third round is probably pretty likely i think that someone ends it i don't remember exactly i don't remember exactly how our games went i've played four games of this in the span of like three days I don't remember exactly how many rounds each game had, but I think it was around three or four. Yeah, and, and the point is that it ramps up and becomes mm -hmm. more and more, um, yeah, exciting and uh, sort of a photo finish kind of ending as you all get closer. Yeah, which was pretty neat. Um, another neat thing is that as you are putting the board powers on. You're kind of custom building your board every single time, and there's a lot of opportunity to to match up uh, pieces with other pieces that are already on the board to make combos. Mm -hmm. So, like, there's cards that'll say, like, you know, if you get a move four, uh, you can say, well, there's a three here, and then if I put this one on a seven, 
And then that one's going to say, uh, repeat the same number of moves that you just completed. Uh, right. So then you do three and then a seven and then another seven. And then you can kind of build these like ping pong and combos around the board and you really can fly around if you get lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, which was an interesting, like my the very first game when we were learning, I won because I had some really lucky combos. And um, the second game, I had almost none of them. And the combos were like, that's where if I had to, to make a criticism, like it, and the, the game is, is a lighthearted, fun game, and it's not meant to be super competitive, I think. Right. So it's not a real complaint, but there is a little bit of a like monopoly part of this where you, you're <laughs> moving with whatever you get, and it's totally possible that you're not going to get anything that you need. But uh, yeah, I agree. I was actually thinking today. Like, there are not many roll-and-move games that are good. And whether that's, like, Trouble or, like, Monopoly, like you were saying. But would... I was trying to think, would Monopoly be better with this card system? And I think yes. I mean, what I was going to say is, like, I'm not sure how it affects the balance, but in theory, it always gets better with the more options that you have. Because right. then you get to choose when you do what. So, like, even if you take those two cards and you're able to make them three, then, like, without talking about other systems being affected, like, the the balance of that becomes better with each card you give the person, I think. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, that would be super easy to test out. We just yeah. give every player three. That would be interesting. It'd move it's faster, up. too, because the, the monster would move faster. You almost need to make the board bigger, then. <laughs> I don't think the monster would move faster. You're still drawing one card per round. Maybe it would start out having... Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that giving each player three cards would make games a lot faster. You would hit those combos... Way more, more easily yeah. and probably end the game in two rounds as opposed to three which yeah. maybe maybe if you want a fast game that that wouldn't be a bad way to do it mm-hmm. but, but yeah I've had, I've had several times where i end up with the same card in my hand twice it's like a move four or put a Z on the board but if i had moved four i would land on the same spot as the nightmare which then would make me scared so then you knock your meeple over and then if you get scared again you're out yeah another, another important rule is to mention that you can always sneak past the nightmare so if you don't land on his space but you move past him that's fine but if if the nightmare ever has a move card and he moves through you then he'll scare you as opposed to a jump where he'll just jump to the next space and not move through you yeah and then you get lambushed no no why is this happening to us <laughs> oh no yes so yeah each game i think took about 40 minutes like it's a beautiful yeah. game length uh i think that this is probably one of the first games that you like of the games that i own anyway that i can play with my family probably yeah. not with, with my five-year-old but because uh, you you need to be able to read, I think, mm-hmm. but you don't have to be able to 
think the best or like have the best strategies or whatever. No. You probably don't even need to use the powers if your kids are young enough and you just want to use a couple of the easier powers. I think you could play this with your kids. Like I'm sure your your boys would be able to do it. Yeah, I don't know if I if I've ever played a game that is like this that is better like 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 mentioning the like the sort of monopoly flaw like like I don't know a game that does this kind of thing better. And uh it would definitely be the game to own for like someone like the family games who who grew up you played Monopoly and Trouble these kinds of things like this is a really good one to to up the ante a little bit. Right. Keep in your collection for that kind of group. I think sure. so too. Yeah. Now a game like Sorry, which to go back to like the very popular mass market games. In Sorry, you just I think you flipped over the top card. Right? And then you move yes. that many. Now Sorry probably could have been a lot better if everybody had two cards in their hand. Yeah. I think that this would have <laughs> like this mechanic of having two cards and being able to choose to move would have made that game a lot better. A lot more thinky anyway. You would have yep. actual what do you call it? When you have agency. That's what that's what you call it. So right. being able to have agency over your turn is awesome in this game. And then also being able to take it up that next level to where you're putting the different powers on the different spaces wherever you want yeah so at the end of each round each player in turn order gets to pick from a market of four of the tiles and place it on the board so then you can say okay well like you said before i can kind of chain these together in the right amount of spaces in between and then maybe even play off of some of the other ones that other people have put on the board yeah 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 the whole really? theme made it more fun. Like the theme makes it fun because like you're, you're the cute sheep and you're jumping over the fences. But um, the other thing is with sorry, like the the first person is first and the second person the second, and you have that just sort of normal, um, you know, victory like stage of victories. But in this one, they emphasize the push your luck part again. Like there was quite mm-hmm. a few times where the person was drawing the card and everyone was like clutching their knuckles is like, please not a monster card. <laughs> like, cause like you're like so close to the fence and like, mm-hmm. I don't want to uh, like, you know, and this game does that super, super well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And you don't get any of that in the, uh, the other. Right. So. Being able to, like, if you've already called it a night and sitting there, you're just begging for the deck to have five monster cards in a row. And <laughs> right. everybody around the table is like, I, if you can see how many times you have to jump over the fence to pass the player who has called it a night, you're like, I have to get over this fence twice more and I'm right at the fence. So I have to make it once more around this board before the monster comes out. And one of the neat things about that is if there are four players in, you're drawing four cards per round. So then it's, I don't know, let's say four times as likely that uh, a monster gets drawn. Yeah. But if somebody calls it a knight, not only like are you not drawing, not getting winks anymore, but the players who are still playing are only drawing three cards per round. Yeah. So every time they move, it's, only three times as likely that a monster gets pulled. 
And then same when someone else drops out. If you're the last person in it, every time you draw a card, it could be a, a, a nightmare. But it also could be like only five cards till the next nightmare. So you could be going around that thing so many yep. more times. But also... On average, the monster slows the down. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it, it's true. Well, yeah. And it, it depends. Like, you know how many nightmare cards there are in the deck. So each each nightmare has a certain amount of cards that go into the deck. And it, it all matters. Like, if you've seen seven nightmare cards already, and you're only halfway through the deck, you know that it's only three left in the other half of the deck. So then mm-hmm. it could be that like you bowed out because the nightmare is three spaces away from the end, but he might not get there for the next four rounds that your friends do around around the board. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. I really enjoy it. Definitely a really fun game. And I'm glad that I bought it. And for I half probably, a second. Oh, go ahead. I I would recommend this game at forty dollars, which was the price that it was at Phoenix Rising. Right. But apparently, and on Board Game Geek, one of the threads, the designer has said that it didn't do well enough, so they're not going to make any expansions for it. Oh. But he said, I don't know, keep shouting about it on the internet. Maybe they'll make an expansion for it. So I threw my voice out there with them. But the game would very easily add more powers like different powers that you could add to the board or like you could put out any number of new nightmares that have different movements or yeah, i don't know they're like, so different. simple this would be trivial to homebrew your own monsters just with how yeah. they move absolutely i was thinking the same thing like yeah. the community could make their own monsters like maybe you don't have a monster but each sheep out there is the nightmare for each other. Oh yeah. And then if you land on a spot with somebody else, if they if you were the one moving, anybody you landed on like gets scared or something. Or it's like if, the thing where you turn into the monster and you don't even know it. Oh, that could be cool. Yeah, I don't know. There's like so many different options that you could yeah. actually yeah. have like homebrewing exactly. And same with the powers. I mean, maybe it's not that balanced, but you could homebrew any sort of powers that you wanted. Yeah. For half a second, I thought there was an expansion because I saw uh, what is apparently the French version. Oh, it looks way a, cooler. It has a red box and it's called Insomnia. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? But it's just a French version and apparently that needs to be red and look a little more scary for some reason. I don't see how that's a wordplay like sheepy time. I don't. I, right. That seems to be a downgrade if you're French, as far as I can tell. Well, maybe just from the name is a French word that means time sheepy to go time. Sleep now. Like, is, <laughs> is there a, a sheep pun in that? Like, uh, I have no idea. Uh, beats me. I don't see how. I don't know French enough. Can ask Hannah later. Yeah. Alrighty. Do we have anything else to say about sheepy time? Well, I there's one more point I wanted to make, but sure. I think James makes it well. Do you want to read what James messaged? 
his email is about this game. Oh, yep. yeah, it says that. Okay. So this is an email we got from James. Uh, and he writes, based on the box art, this is a game that I would have never even looked at. It's like Lamb Chops Play Along meets Peppa Pig with the big <laughs> bad wolf tossed in. But the game itself was super fun, pushing your luck with decent decisions between making a run for it or sitting still and adding tokens to the board for later runs. Made for a fast-paced game with tension and a lot of laughs. I wish they were more nightmares. But overall, I thought this game was excellent love, James. And the point that he makes about the box art, like, there is something to be said about the the theme of a game and the art, and the fellows were chatting about the name of the game. If somebody said, I bought Sheepy Time, let's play it, and it wasn't me being overly forceful, would you mm-hmm. want to? And I think the answer is a resounding no. Sheepy Time is, like... Not a great name. The theme is really cool and unique, but the art also, like, if you saw it on a shelf, you'd go, I would like to play something better. But you don't yeah. give it a chance. Because it, like, the I think the art is cool, but it's not something that would make me want to play the game. Yeah, as as far as, like, the name goes for selling the game, I think it's terrible. <laughs> like straight up terrible like and when you look at the actual box like i don't know if anyone in marketing had anything to do with this at all and i i, I might be being super incon- inconsiderate right now but like in my opinion both that title and like what you see on the back which is very little actually should be highlighting like the monsters and like you're escaping and like you know the push your luck part but yeah it's none of that really comes across with the cutesy little kitty name right yeah there's a lot of shooting yourself in the foot i think here (laughs) me too i i totally agree like if i had not heard from other people that this game was really good and if this game had not been $20 Canadian mm-hmm. at like randomly at a place I was at, like I wouldn't have ordered this online for $20. It, it was just a perfect storm of yeah. I'd heard about it. I'd heard it was good and I randomly saw it half off. And so I bought it. Yep. Why, 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 why wouldn't they make it so that you didn't feel like a dumb dumb every time you said the name? Yeah. <laughs> like, we're going to put this episode out as like, what are we? Episode 28? Episode 28, Sheepy Time. <laughs> <laughs> like, it'll be our lowest listened to episode ever. Uh, maybe we'll, maybe have to- we'll add on to the title. Like, yeah. Sheepy Time something. Explosion. <laughs> maybe i will <laughs> oh dear okay out of what are we doing turtle shells how many turtle shells do we do now five or ten uh let's do out of eight all right out of eight turtle shells what do you give um, for what it's trying to be i think i give it like and not considering it's terrible marketing i think i give it like a six and a half out of eight yeah maybe even seven for for like 
like think thinking about the game wow. it's it's trying to be right it's it's not right. trying to be like a scythe or something more heavy like for what well, it's I'm, trying to execute on somewhere six and a half seven okay i'm going to rate it based on enjoyment out of any game i've played it's like out of the game it's trying to be i think it nailed it i think it's an eight out of eight for what it's trying to be because it does everything it's trying to do really well there's not anything i would change about it mm -hmm. i've played it four times now and i wouldn't have wanted to play it another time that week like that was enough times i played it once with each nightmare which is the exploration phase of a game that i really enjoy mm -hmm. i've seen most if not all of the power tiles now now the point is replayability will i want to break this game out and play it again and it's probably for the next few plays sure absolutely i'll play it again after that it'll be a matter of i think almost like Catan, where someone suggests it and you go uh do i want to play that I, I guess because you want to play it i'll play it and then you break it out and you have so much fun playing it mm -hmm. and you forget that the game was so much fun so i think i'd give it a five out of eight because it's better than just average i think but it's not a game that i'm gonna pull off the shelf and say let's play this for my 43rd time yeah I think I was kind of combining those two yeah. overalls in my which can make which makes sense so yes I'm going to tout this game as excellent it is a diamond in the rough yep. and it's getting a, a five out of eight sure I think that makes sense nice um I think that's just about everything though yeah hopefully next time mage will be here and he can summarize his thoughts quickly about sheepy time yep and about the 800 other games that he's played since he's last been on right I'm sure, there's, I'm sure there's quite a bit he wants to talk about so yeah hopefully next time we can have our guest mage on <laughs> 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 all right well in that case i think we're gonna wrap this up because it's probably past your bedtime and um <laughs> my wife is giving me the dirtiest look right now <laughs> uh so anyways thank you for listening uh feel free to email us at the turn turtles at gmail.com uh the socials will be in the show notes and uh, tune in every other week. And thanks for listening. Certainly time for you to call it a night. <laughs> I had so Goodbye. many more and I didn't even say them. So Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> like what? Hit me with them. Oh, and I had it written down. Up with those? Uh, just looking around. <laughs> I, I, at one point I was going to say that like when you got... When, instead of getting, I was I was debating between saying lambushed or got fleeced. Oh, no. I went with lambushed, <laughs> for example. So, oh dear. All right. As goodbye for real. The turn turtles were here. That's it for now. Thanks for tuning in.